Thank you. Woo. Thank you. Hey, how you guys doing? Good? Hey, I just want to also, again, welcome all the new people. We're so glad you're here tonight. It's going to be a good night tonight. And I also, just before I speak, I just want to honor Pastor Nat and Hearts. You guys are so welcoming, and thank you so much. You guys are the best. And also, all the other location pastors, you guys are heroes, real heroes. And uh, even the fact that so many of you guys are here on a Sunday night sends such a message to us that we're in this together, that we're in this together. And uh, we're, we're talking about, at the moment, Thrive. Uh, we've been in the series of Thrive, and uh, we're t- tonight we're going to talk about being together, one another. And, uh, you know, there's a scripture I love, and it's in, uh, and it's actually Jesus speaking. He says, uh, God exalts the humble, and He humbles the proud. He exalts the humble, and He humbles the proud. So if you're humble, He'll exalt you. But if you're proud, He'll humble you. But then you're humble, so He exalts you. You see that? So, so God, God's intention is actually always to lift you up. God, God's intention is always to exalt you. God's intention for your life is actually always to cause you to thrive. And, uh, you know, but some, uh, I suppose, misconception about thriving is that thriving is easy. Do you think thriving is easy? That thriving is this place that looks easy, but really thriving comes with a lot of mess. And that sent a message this week about some mess, and uh, it inspired me that thriving and mess actually go hand in hand. You, you, you can't actually thrive without having a little bit of mess. And uh, perhaps uh, the place where we thrive is in the middle of our mess. And, uh, but what do, you, what do you do about your mess? What do you do about the mess? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What do you do about the mess? What do you do about the mess? And, uh, you know, I just got married recently. I know I'm only 23 and I might look 16, but I got married. And, uh, you know, maybe you're wondering, why did they entrust a, the mic to a 16-year-old? It's all good. I'm 23. I'm 23. And uh, so I got married recently. And Liv, who's my wife, she's about to come up soon. And uh, she is the best cook. Man, she's so good. She cooks this amazing beef ragu. You guys like beef ragu? Oh, just like the slow-cooked beef. And it's really good. Uh, but, you know, what I've learned about getting married is uh, if you want a good meal, you got to put up with the mess. Yeah, you know, that if, you, if you want a good meal, it's like, what? No, you, and in fact, you know, the better the meal, the more the mess. You know, if it's a really good meal, there's even more mess. And it's kind of the same way with thriving. If you really want to thrive, you've actually got to put up with a bit of mess. But wh- what do you do about your mess? You know, we all have mess. I have mess. You have mess. We, we go through different times where there's more mess. But what do you do about the mess? Do you blame the mess? Do you have an opinion about the mess? Man, I, I get frustrated with people who have an opinion about the mess. Man, opinion has never built anything. It's true, right? And, but what do you do about the mess? Do you blame the mess? Do you, do you cover up the mess in your life? Do you pretend it doesn't exist? Does the mess change you? When you're in the middle of mess, do you change who you are? What do you do about the mess? What do you do about the mess? And I, I feel like there's a story in the Bible that answers this question or maybe helps us uh, deal with the mess in our lives. And it's in Nehemiah, one of my favorite books in the Bible, Hartley Smiling, because he knows how much I love the book of Nehemiah. And basically, there's these guys, and they're building this wall together. They're building this wall together. And that's what we're all about at church. 
being together with one another. That's the place where we thrive together. And they're building this wall together. And they're actually building it for God. They're doing it for God. And so here they are. They're building this wall together. And suddenly, as they're building the wall, opposition comes against them. They find themselves in the middle of some mess. And uh, you would think that because they're doing something for God, because they're trying to build the walls, that there would be no mess. Yet you would think that because they find themselves doing something good, that God would maybe sweep away the mess and say, you know what, actually, I'm not going to give you any mess. But you actually find that mess in your life is actually kind of like a handshake from God. It's, it's like a handshake from God. God's saying, you know what, here's some mess. It's a handshake from God because that very mess is the thing that's going to cause you to thrive. It's that, it's that mess that's going to sharpen, refine, build something in you that will cause you to thrive. In fact, if you never had that mess, maybe you would never thrive. So it's the mess that causes you to thrive. So mess and thriving go hand in hand. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people think leadership is about who you are up on a stage. But, man, 0% of leadership is about who you are on a stage. 100% of leadership is actually about who you are in the mess, who you are in the mess. And so here these guys are you know, in Nehemiah, and they're building the walls. And they find themselves in the middle of mess. And I'm, and I'm thinking, man, what do these guys do? What, what's the strategy they use to deal with the mess? What do they do with the mess? And there's a scripture. It's going to come up on the screen. It's in Nehemiah. Oh, I'm not sure. 4 verse 20. It says, so here, here they are in the mess, and it says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So here they are. What are we going to do about the mess? And, and Nehemiah says, you know what, I'm going to blow this trumpet. If there's some opposition, if there's a bit of mess, if something comes against us, I'm going to blow this trumpet, and we're going to come together. So perhaps it's less about what do I do with the mess in my life, what do I do with the mess, but more, who am I in the mess with? Who am I in the mess with? And, and maybe a better question instead of what do I do with the mess is can I stick together in the mess? Can, can you stick together in the mess? Because, you know, it's easy to be together when everything's smooth, when everything's easy. You know, you, you, can, you can get along with anyone. But, but when you have a bit of difference, maybe a bit of disagreement, that's where it starts to get a bit challenging. But, you know, the real test of the mess is will you stick together in the mess? That the test of the mess is will you stick together? And, uh, you know, I love the story of Paul and Silas as well. And uh, Paul and Silas, they're in the prison, this prison together. And uh, they, the amazing thing about Paul and Silas, here they are in this prison, and even though their feet were bound, they were singing praise to God. And then, you know, the story goes that they're in this prison, they're praising God, and suddenly there's an earthquake and the prison opens. And it is amazing that they kind of had the strength, the, the, the character, the, the, the willingness to praise God, even though they were bound in chains. And what I think is, though, is that perhaps the reason they were able to do that is because they were together. Perhaps the reason they were able to praise God in the middle of their mess was because they were together. We got to stick together in the mess. You know, this cause we're a part of is too great not to let our differences separate us. We've got to stick together in the mess. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to say stick together in the mess, but when you're in the mess, it's hard to do because all you want to do is isolate. All you, all you want to do is, is separate. All you want to do is say, I don't want to be with anyone. I want, I want to isolate. But, man, the thing you need to do most in the mess 
is stick together, is to be together, because that is the place where you will learn to thrive. Because if you have the right people around you, they will cause you to thrive. And uh, so Liv is actually going to come up, and she's going to teach us and give us some, some practical things that we can do to stick together in the mess. So I'm going to welcome Liv as she comes. To Wonderful. Good job, babe. Um, he, there's no, he, he's so easy to be married to and live with. I feel like when he says he's, there's mess, I feel like there's no mess with him, but um, he's amazing. And um, But I'm excited to be able to put some practical handles on um, what Ben was saying. You know, I love a, a good practical walkout principle, and so I hope tonight that I can put some of those in your hand. But um, I just want to say that thriving looks like us doing it together. You know, it's easy to think that thriving is my moment or my spotlight, that, that peak moment of my life where I shine. But you know what? We actually shine together. We really do. And um, I don't think we can thrive on our own. You know, we need each other. I've got this herb garden at home, and um, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I water it every day. Ben knows we can't leave the house until I water my herb garden. Because um, I was spending so much money on herbs every week at um, Woolworths, and so I thought, I'm going to buy a pot and I'm going to make my own herbs. And um, this is going somewhere. Um, and, um, you know, I've got this big round pot and it's got about seven different types of herbs in it. And you know what? I, I water them and I put fertilizer on them. And they've all started to grow crazy outside over the pot. But they're growing together and they're intertwining. And you know what? They feed. I read somewhere that they feed off each other. And there's actually so much science into um, how you can put stuff together to cause them to thrive because the, the um, qualities of each other actually feed one another. And it's like that here in the house of God, that we thrive when we're planted together. Good luck on your own. That's all I'll say to you. <laughs> I could stop there. <laughs> um, but you know what? I'm going to um, just read out of Colossians tonight, really. I think it's a verse that speaks for itself. Um, but um, it's in Colossians 3. It'll come up on the screen. But Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae, and you know what? They're, they're going through some mess. Um, they're a great church. They're a strong church. They're not a big church. It used to be a, a really populated, prosperous city, and um, the, it's now a small town. And this church is facing a bit of threat of false teaching, and that's throwing out people's behavior. And so there's a bit of mess within the church. There's a bit of a grind within the church. And this is what he says. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes um, with Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. That's probably my favorite verse. It's amazing. There's so much in it. And so I'm going to break five little things out of that tonight. Um, and then we're going to go have an amazing connect fair together and put this into practice. But um, just five little things that I want to um, give you tonight. First thing is to know who you are. It says at the start of that verse that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. You know, I think that's almost enough. If you know who you are, you're on a, you're on a good um, starting point. You know, we need to operate out of our belovedness 
because otherwise we operate out of emptiness. And ever, you've ever been in one of those friendships or relationships where, you know, you just feel tired after being with somebody? You know, when you feel drained because they're, tra- they're operating out of emptiness. Maybe that's us. Maybe sometimes when we go into a conversation, we're trying to get something out of it. But we need to know who we are. We are holy, dearly beloved, and God's chosen people. So if we go into our relationships offering love and acceptance, we don't need to receive it. We don't need to seek it out and try and gain. We can freely give. You know, and I find this, um, this revelation of holiness, beloved, God's chosen people, comes with prayer and word. If my prayer and word time declines, my, I'm probably not very easy to live with, am I, Ben? <laughs> Hold on to your prayer and word. You know, if there's anything you're going to wake up and do tomorrow morning, prayer and word. Whether it's five minutes, whether it's on the train, whether, I was going to say at a red light, but probably it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> send, you can send Hartley your speeding fines and your red light fines. Don't do that. Um, but you know what? Fight for your prayer and word life because that is the revelation that we need to operate out of in all of our relationships. Second thing is be intentional with our behavior. You know, it's easy to live in reactionary mode, particularly when you're tired or stressed, maybe a little overcommitted. It's easy to do that sometimes, get overcommitted and and be a bit fatigued. And, you know, when we're like that, we can often operate out of reaction. But you know what? We need to be intentional in our behavior. It says to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Um, I've had to start getting up earlier lately to get out of the door on time and get to my work on time. Jackie Field, I've been very good this term. (laughs) She is my boss's PA and I can promise I've been on time. Um, But you know what? If I could wake up and have clothes on ready, I do wake up with clothes on, just letting you know. But if I wake up with with my work clothes on and could just run out the door, how easy would that be? But you know what? We actually have to clothe ourselves. And just like that, we actually need to clothe ourselves with the things of God. Kindness, compassion, um, humility, gentleness, and patience. We actually have to choose to put that on sometimes. You know, I know every day there's situations where we will not want to wear that. You know, sometimes people deserve it. Or maybe they meant it. Or maybe whatever it is. And we might not feel like putting that on. But we actually have to clothe ourselves, to be intentional with our behavior, whether we feel like it or not. The third thing is to forgive one another. And man, I think this is probably the, the most important thing in our, all of our relationships is forgiveness. It says to make allowance for one another and forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, with traffic, I always have to leave a bit of time. You know, when you make renovations, you always leave a budget, right? You make allowance for things to maybe not go as planned. And I believe this is what God's saying, is make allowance for one another. You know, and that's having a healthy expectation of humanity. There's this beautiful quote by Alexander Pope. It says, to err is human, to forgive is divine. You know what? We need to make allowance for for one another. You know, have a buffer for each other. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something's happened that we don't know. But we need to make allowance for one another. Let grace fill the gap. That's what I think. Let grace fill the gap. Fourth thing, cover one another. It says, and all, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. You know, I reckon the power of love to unite also covers. 
You know, you're, you're united when you're covered together. Proverbs 10, 12, it's on the screen. It says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrong. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You know what? I think this is an outworking of forgiveness. I think that's a strategy in that verse is to lead us to forgive and then to love. It's an outworking of forgiveness. But we need, um, we need to cover one another. You know, I think this is something we can struggle with because sometimes I know for me, we think that covering a person is covering a problem. You know, Ben and I watch um, a lot of lawyer TV shows. I think it's the justice part in me. I like seeing people who have done bad things go to jail or, you know, like, or the ones that are convicted wrongly and then they get set free and they reunite with their families and you're like, yes, justice. But you know what? Sometimes that can stop us from loving one another because we think they, they did wrong by me. They didn't deserve that. They knew what they were doing. But you know what? We're told to bring stuff into the light, problems into the light, but we're told to cover people, called to cover people in love. Um, how do we do this? Um, you know, people grow when they are loved. We need to love one another, cover one another in love. And I think that comes back to making allowance for one, each, one another. Cover them in love. Don't expose them. You know, I read an article. It said 70% of people experience imposter, imposter syndrome. And that's having a fear of being exposed, a fear of being not enough. You know what? I think love is the antidote to that. All these people that have, and all of us, I think maybe 70% of the time we might have that. But you know what? All, all these fears of maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'm a fraud. Maybe I'm going to be found out. Whatever it is, I think love covers all of that. And we need to be love agents in a world of fear. We really do. It's going to cover one another. Fifth and final thing, be a peacemaker. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, if the peace of Christ isn't ruling in our hearts, what else is? Something's going to rule over our hearts. You know, things that might rule over our hearts sure sometimes rule over mine. Fear, doubt, mistrust, anxiety, jealousy, envy, poverty. Ever had poverty rule over your heart, feeling that you're just not going to have enough? intimidation, anger, stress, pressure, but it says to let the peace of Christ rule over our hearts. We are called to peace. You know what, we can only find that when we rest in the stillness of God. Back to prayer and word, you know, in all of our relationships, if that's what we are feeding off, we'll be able to give that out to everyone. Sometimes we just need to take the right higher road and be a peace agent. You know, um, just before we finish tonight, I just want to say that, you know, these are just tips for the road. Really, they're just tips for the road. But what's really important is that we're actually all on the road together. You know, that we're all together heading in one vision to see Sydney a city for Christ, but also one vision to see each of us in a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what? So tips for the road of us doing it together. And Connect is such an important um, part of that. Being in Connect Group will keep you on track, will keep you on the road. It's like the, um, the metal bumper bars, you know, along the side of the road. I feel like good relationships are like that. They keep us in line. They keep us from falling off the side sometimes. But you know what? These are tips for the road. But what's really important is that we're heading forward together, that we're arm in arm, hand in hand, moving forward in the things of God. And so tonight, um, I'm going to just pray over us, over us that will be connected to one another. So let me pray over you. Heavenly Father. 
Thank you, Lord God. And if the band can just join me, maybe. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of this church, Lord. You are a God of this house. And Lord, right now, Lord, we just commit ourselves to you, Father. God, I just pray over every person in this building, Lord, that they will find relationship with you, God. Lord, that they'll find relationship with you, Lord, but we'll find relationship with one another. Lord, I thank you that you created us for community. Lord, you didn't create for us to be in our own. Lord, in fact, in the beginning, you said it's not good for man to be alone. But Lord, you created us for community. Lord, to feed off one another, Lord, to do life together, to help one another. So Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that anyone that's feeling isolated, God, maybe a bit um, rejected, maybe. Lord, someone who's feeling intimidated. Lord, that you'll give us the strength and the courage and the boldness, Lord, to step into relationship. Maybe to find a connect group tonight, God. But Lord, I just pray that your love binds us together. Your love keeps us together. Mighty God, I just pray over every connect leader. Lord, we honor them. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in connect groups across our city. Thank you that you're a mighty God. Thank you, Jesus.